Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. Saint-Étienne are still top of the league despite dropping points as Nantes accidentally find a way to score goals. The pressure is on behind them as a number of unexpected teams start the season strong. Rennes, Montpellier, Lens, to name just a few. We'll talk about them. And, and speaking of Lens, we'll also talk about Ignatius Ganago in our Players sub-podcast this week. Uh, in other news, Kylian Mbappé is back and scoring again. And uh, later in the show, we'll catch up with with the bad-mannered big clubs, PSG, Marseille, and boring, boring Lyon. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. I'm back this week, just like Kylian Mbappé. Coincidence? I think not. Um, on my panel today, Mohamed Ali. Hey, Mo. Hello again. Sorry. I'm again stuck on mute. Um, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm good, Hello thanks. The guys. <laughs> Don't worry about the late response. I now have a... I finally discovered a technique which automatically gets rid of <laughs> of pauses in editing. To think that for almost a year I was doing that manually. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> um, so no problem there. Uh, we also have here with us uh, Philippe Bargiel. Hi. Good evening. Phil, how was uh, how was Rouen this weekend? I think you were at a fourth division match there. Yeah. I uh, visited the uh, Stade Robert Duchamp, which uh, is the uh, home of uh, Cuvier Rouen, who are in the third division, and FC Rouen, who are in the uh, fourth division. And actually, the stadium is in uh, is uh, in Cuvilly, so there's no real ground in in Rouen. It's uh, yeah, nice uh, nice place in Normandy. Uh, probably my uh, uh, favorite ahead of uh, Caen Le Havre. It was good. Oh, there's actually, there's no stadium in in Rouen itself. Rouen is quite big though. That's surprising. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's it's like uh, it's big. It's big. It's like a thousand yeah. seater, but it's not in. Uh, it's actually uh, at the limit. I don't know if you've ever been to okay. Rouen. Not really. Cuvilly and Sudvillerois. Ah, okay. Um, and also with us here is Eric Devin. Hey, Pierre, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, Eric, did you write the uh, the GFFN the Guardian piece this week on Montpellier, or was that Adam? That's Adam. Oh, that's a pity. Uh, I, I definitely enjoyed that one. People should go check it out. Um, Montpellier and and uh, you know having a strong start to the season, and there's a bit of a of a, a, a praise for Teji Savagny in particular in there, um, who's a terrific player to watch. Uh, so that's definitely a team I would recommend. Um, but that means you wrote the talking points. Uh, no, uh, how we do it is we just switch back, back and forth week to week. Oh, okay. So yeah, uh, this is all, all Adam. No, right. we used to, but it was just easier. I think, you know, I think yeah. it, as I like to go enjoy my Sundays, if I don't have to do stuff for the league or, um, yeah, I think it was just easier to do it that way. Um, to not have to worry about stuff and Adam's, you know, married man i think that his obligations are there as well so yeah that's fair enough um so we're going to start with one of the things that was a talking point in, in that piece and that's uh saint-etienne les verts are still top of the week still top of the league this week uh they were two nil up in nantes but uh let that lead slip and and it was two two in the end uh still remaining first um uh Phil, let me ask you, are we surprised to see them uh, in first place one month into the season, considering the kind of, uh, to some extent, panic that, that seemed to be around the club in the week going into that cup final against PSG, which was, what, two months ago only? 
I'm going to say yes, because uh, there was still that kind of, uh, I want to say, fear of the final against uh, against PSG, uh, where you uh, you sense that uh, they it was more that they did not uh, wanted to avoid defeat rather than, rather than win. Um, and then you had uh, these games which weren't, I mean, first first game was, was against Lorient, uh, routine 2-0 Wembley against Strasbourg. You, you saw that um, offensively they they actually had uh, some some uh, difficulty, but Strasbourg actually defended defended very very well. So uh, that's uh, that's not um, that's not that uh, that surprising. But uh, what, what yeah what was surprising is that they went on from strength to strength. Um, Aushish has, has played uh, extremely well in midfield. Amuma up front, he's being extremely instrumental. The two 2-0 win at Marseille, I, I think, uh, heavily boosted their confidence. But still, I think they would be uh, disappointed, not going to, into too much detail for the game at not, but uh, they'll be disappointed to uh, um, to, drop, to drop those two points, being 2-0 ahead halfway through the second half at not. You would expect them to to get the job, uh, you know, to get the job done. But you know, it's only, I mean, it's only uh, four games into the season, ten points out of twelve. I think they would have settled for that before before the start of the season, uh, considering the um, the mess they were in uh, off the pitch. Um, the guys from the previous show were kind of doing inserting like live commentary as they were recording the previous show on Thursday of of that match against Marseille. Mo, did did you think against Marseille Saint Etienne? You know how much quality did they show, or or how much was it Marseille complacent <clears throat> after that PSG win? Well, in the end, I think the statistics showed that they were pretty damn lucky if you look at the expected goals. <laughs> um, but that's not to say they didn't deserve it. Hundred percent, you know, they were very rigid in midfield. They were, um, you know, a cohesive unit. They were very stubborn um, in possession and really forcing OM. Um, into a lot of issues, um, especially down the flanks and through the um, in the final third as well. I think that you can you can see that they've gone strength to strength, not only uh, from the point of um, you know early summer as we as we just spoke about now, but even in these four matches, you can see that they've mm-hmm. grown in the ascendancy. Obviously, we're very unfortunate to let things drop yesterday against Nantes in the final twenty or so minutes, but um, above all, then they really did look good value for the lead as they have done in each of their first four games. And I think, as you saw on Thursday, you know, Marseille in that first half just looked a bit punch drunk, um, as they did, obviously, yesterday, which we'll go on about uh, later on. Yeah. Uh, but San Etienne were very, very, very good value. Um, a very strong first half and definitely did deserve their three points. Um, and Eric, against Nantes, uh, Wesley Fofana didn't play. So officially he was he was injured. Uh, but it's no secret that he also wants to leave the club and, and sign for Leicester. Um, it's another tough case for for Puel to handle, right? Who's, you know, not he's not only made friends in Saint Etienne, even though he's getting good results. Yeah, I, th- I think this is this will continue to loom over the team as long for as long as this saga drags on. I mean, the transfer window closes October fifth, so we've got what another two 15th, weeks. Fifteenth, I think. Fifteenth in England. Oh yes, okay. Fifth in France. Um, so we've got another two or three weeks to savor this, um, and I think that that's a little bit difficult to to stomach for Poel, given how how well things have started. There isn't necessarily. Um, I mean, there is Harold McCudi who could who can come in in his place, uh, who 
uh, has has looked decent start the season, but I I really think that Fofana's quality is something that will be missed. As this this Sante team again is not quite as opportunistic as the team at, at its best under Christophe Galtier, but is still going to rely on strong defensive play and a physicality and uh, an energy that has have marked m- most of Sante's best teams over the past you know decade or so. Never really been a team that shows a lot of attacking verve per se. And I think that the goals that they've scored, by and large, have been, you know, down to opportunism of an individual player, much as we saw good performances in the in the recent past from, say, Max Allan-Gardel or Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, you know, we've got another player in that mold, if not exactly the same type of player, in Danny Boanga. And uh, Romain Amuma looks sharp as well. And without Cheech, they do have a little bit more creativity this season. But I do, I do wonder going forward, if they do end up losing Fofana, you know, how long this run can continue. It is their best start to a season since 1979-1980 season. Uh, so, you know, again, the wow. quality of their their quality of their opponents has to be considered, but I think that it's it's an incredibly promising start. And it really shows that, you know, Puel, I think despite the degressage, as, as they uh, have <laughs> said around the club, um, is getting rid of players we've mentioned, like Mbila, um, Stefan Rufi has been frozen out, as have Wabi Kasri, Riyad Budabuz. Um, it takes a lot of, of, of cojones, if you will, to do that on Puel's part, but the, the result he's gotten out of this team so far shows that he doesn't want any passengers in this squad, and I think that even if Fafana does go, uh, Sente, I think, will be uh, you know, more, than, more than a match for any side in the league for the duration of this season, mm-hmm. given the ethos of this team shown under him. Yeah, uh, degraissage, as you say there, which which literally means like ungreasing or unfattening. Um, but um, the the sense of trimming, the word trimming is basically the fat. A, exactly. Yeah, trimming. Yeah. Well, in this case, trimming costs um, for for the football club. Um, I so, can ask a question about Ruffier. Um, yeah. Do Do we know what's what's exactly the situation? I mean, is he going to be not playing football until January or something? I mean, according to Puel, he's out of the goalkeeper hierarchy now, I believe, right? I think I saw that a few weeks ago. Yeah, I just pulled it up here. He's he's not going to... Puel is, says he's not going to play him all season, no matter what. So, um, I don't know if he's just waiting and hoping that Puel gets sacked or uh, if he's actually trying to find someone or, somewhere else to play. Um, I don't think but... he won't get sacked just yet. Yeah, no, not for now, for sure. But wouldn't Ruffier push his agent to, to go elsewhere? I mean, he is a good goalkeeper still. Well, I mean, he, he was a little bit less good last season. Yeah, I know, but still, I mean, you know. Yeah. But, uh, he I can mean, still play, I think. I don't know if he's ready to to leave. Because, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's no he's news recently. Way, so. Yeah. Um, but I was I was going to ask you guys. So with with Ruffier being kind of out of the loop, with guys like Mvila or Kabay gone, who are who are the key players this season? Well, I think clearly you have to look at Jesse Moulin, uh, mm-hmm. given the start he, start he's had to the season. I think that we saw him put in a really per- fantastic performance in in that Coupe de France final, and he's continued right on from that. I, I know that uh, Ruffier injured his back uh, last season, the season before, and Moulin came in for about a half dozen matches. I think he's always been a really capable understudy, and I think that he's shown now that he can take the step up. 
you know, along with him, I, I think we can't say enough good things about Alex He's a player who looked absolutely brilliant in preseason for Sente. And while it's taken him a little bit of time to find his feet in the league, I think that the goal that he scored at the weekend really is, is strong evidence of a player who, again, is going to be more egg on the face of PSG for another academy player that's departed, and on a free, no less. So I think that I think that those two have to be looked at as, as the keys uh, to this team going mm-hmm. forward, particularly if uh, Danny Buwanga does leave as it, as it has continued to be rumored. And we should probably give a shout out to to Ivan Masson, who I think it was his debut or his second match when in the League Cup final against PSG, and he was taken off after about half an hour. I think it was just a little bit too difficult for him, but uh, he he had a good game on on Sunday too, and scored a really nice goal. Um, so he seems to be developing well over at left back. Um, the relationship between Camara and um, the young boy Niyunupa is uh, very yeah. good. I mean, w- yes. one of one of the best in the league so far, um, and uh, uh, I was going to say, well, probably no, that's it. No, I think that's what. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and Puel is the right guy for 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 developing young players. I mean, we've seen him doing it a lot of times. Um, so definitely, oh, uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. I mean, he yeah. he's been given. He's been given uh, a chance to what three, four uh, um, non-contract players. I mean, there's the guys from the from the youth setup who mm. don't have a, a professional contract yet. I mean, that just shows you know enormous trust in the, in the youth, which is good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so so let's move on to uh, number two in the league table there, uh, and and that is Rennes, uh, who had a, obviously had a good season last year, qualifying for the Champions League for the first time ever. On Saturday, they beat Monaco 2-1. Uh, Eric, you were watching this. What, what did you think of, of the team from Brittany? Uh, wow, again, yeah. I think that, that Ren have been really, really impressive this season. I think that they've, there's been a lot of turnover in the team. We look at Nayef Aguerd coming into the team, um, Serhu Gourassi and Martin Terrier also. Um, so they're a club who have shown they're not, they're not afraid to spend under the, the auspices of, of Puma. Uh, and they they want to continue to to build on the platform that they've developed in recent seasons under the brilliant management of Julien Stefan. But uh, I think that they showed you know Monaco had have been fairly sound defensively this season. The pressing style uh, that that's been developed there under Niko Kovac has been really impressive. And you know I think we saw oh okay Monaco have a one nil lead and there's ten minutes to play. What's what's to come for this side? Um, and it fell to a young left back Adrian Trefer. Uh, who was making his uh, first-team debut, having come on for the injured Faitou Moassa, who had a goal and an assist and was brilliant for the entire time he played. And so I think that that's showing, for me, uh, two things. I think, one, that that Stefan and the fighting spirit he instilled in this team are con- going to make Ren be able to continue to fight on two fronts, uh, that they're the players they've added in the summer, provided they can replace Edouard Mendy um, in goal. Uh, mm make this team, you know, really impressive and not one to ever be counted out of a match, but also that um, the quality that they have at their disposal, both in the transfer market and through these young players that are coming through is, is really impressive. I think that obviously, you know, Camavinga is, is the prime example of that, but uh, the performance that Truffaut delivered, and I think we've seen a, a strong play as well from uh, Sasha Bowie and um, Brennan Sopi uh, at right back as well. They're mm-hmm. the deputies for... Uh, for Amari Traore, 
So I think that there's a and Jeremy Jolin, the the central defender as well, Adrian Huno. There's a lot of, a lot of younger uh, players or at least players who've come through the academy here that that really show this team is striking a nice balance um, across the team. And again, uh, fantastic performance against a, you know another opponent with big, with similarly big ambitions for the season to I think really consolidate Ren as a continued force in the league this season. Mm. Uh, one of the players you didn't mention, um, who I would love to talk to him, uh, talk about him with you guys last week, if I'd made it, uh, was Serou Girassi, who scored those those two brilliant goals a week ago. Well, the first one especially was really really nice, and he seems to be fitting in quite well. I I, I kind of had doubts coming from Amiens and so on. I wasn't too sure, um, but it, it's been a good start for him. Um, you mentioned Edouard Mendy, who is who is leaving for Chelsea, where we've had confirmation of that today uh mo chelsea are gonna have to uh chelsea fans are gonna have to tolerate keppa for another couple of weeks because of quarantine rules but what are they getting in in mendy yeah i mean again a good goalkeeper who has i think shown um his quality specifically over the last 18 24 months he's a fantastic shot shot stopper very very agile um he's he's been one of the best performers um and you know he, he they're getting a player who who hasn't bowed to pressure. I mean, Ren have had a lot of stuff thrown at them over the past season, but you know, he's he's met them and he's grown with them. Um and it's that sort of like capable hands, you know, very commanding in the box, um, very good at um holding his line as well. Um it's it's the reliability that they just haven't had with Kepa, you know, a person that has been unflappable so far in Liga. Um it remains to be seen how they will integrate him in the coming weeks, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's not very easy to, um, you know, chuck a seventy-two million pound signing. Um, well, I think yeah, I think it was around seventy-two million. Um, very easy, but you know, as, as we saw twenty-four hours ago um, <laughs> in, in, in the Premier League, you know, it's he has a fantastic opportunity to really, really hit the ground running. Especially Chelsea have got a couple of um, cup games um, on the way um, soon. Um, in the Carabao Cup and um, a good place to sort of bed him in. But, you know, Edouard Mendy has been one of the revelations. And it goes to show that Ren have been um, able to really profit from him for one season. And he's making a step up and he does deserve it too. Mm. And as many people will have heard it by now, because the story's kind of running around, but it's it's quite of, I mean, it's a little bit out of nowhere if you see where he was five years ago and, and, and where he is now. Um, you know, a few years ago, he was, he was, Lining up for uh, at uh, Pôle Emploi, which is the how do you say the, like the unemployment office, um, and now here he is at Chelsea, so that's good for him. I will say, I mean, I've seen a lot of him play. Uh, I've seen him play a lot for Reims in particular. It's very uh, aesthetically enjoyable to see him make saves. He has this kind of insane flexibility and, and kind of reactivity. It looks like a like a big cat pouncing when he makes a save, like a panther or something. I, I really enjoy. Um, on that side of, of watching him play. Um, so it'll be interesting uh, to see him in the Premier League for sure. Um, m- meanwhile, guys, Monaco um, lost here, uh, even though they've had a, a decent start to this season. Uh, Phil, what do, what do you think of uh, of Ben Yedder and the way... Um, I mean, I thought he scored a, a nice goal and he's been he's been good this season, hasn't he? I think there's still a lot of expectation on this squad, given uh, how much money was uh, was spent. Mm-hmm. 
Um, given uh, the change of uh, management, which are deep, being uh, sat again, between um, <laughs> have uh, Nico Kovac being brought in. I'm not going to go too much into into detail um, with the uh, players' performance. I'm going to only uh, watch them uh, two games out of four for for Monaco. Okay. From what from what I I gather, I mean, it's uh, it looks like the dressing was actually uh, doing doing okay. That it looks like uh, off the pitch things things are going all right, which uh, wasn't uh, uh, always the case under under Jardim, and that results have um, have been. Have uh, have not been uh, terrible. I don't think people are expecting them to be uh, to be title contenders. I don't think people are expecting them to be to to be in the top three. The uh, the recruits have been have been solid. They got uh, a stand-in for Benjamin Lecomte, Radoslav Majewski, uh, a, a Polish uh, Polish goalkeeper. They got Disasi. Everybody knows how good they are. Has have had a bit of problems at the back. Uh, trying to replace him because they've mm. had some uh, injuries. We'll probably talk about that later. And uh, other, you know, uh, other than that, it's been it's been the same uh, the same old guard in in midfield. And you've got uh, you've got Kevin Folland from uh, from I think it's Leverkusen, Leverkusen or Hoffenheim, from Germany, um, who's who's actually done done quite well. So. Yes, I think the expectation is not too uh, is not too high on on the squad. The squad is uh, gelling uh, quite nicely, and the running the running looks uh, looks really decent. You know, they got Strasbourg met, uh, next, then uh, big game, big games against Montpellier and Bordeaux. I think I think Kovac is uh, is enjoying this uh, sort of uh, laid back uh, laid back position he has for now, and that uh, here here we have Monaco in six. It looks, uh, it looks, uh, sounds about right, and I, I don't think uh, uh, the, uh, the amount of pressure is actually uh, beneficial to Kovac and the players. So the Sunday evening game was uh, Marseille one, Lille one, uh, two games without a win for Marseille after after uh, uh, beating PSG. Uh, but um, Mo, where do we stand uh, performance-wise in in that series? Um, I think, you know, Lille in particular will look back at that game and think that they've lost two points. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they obviously have a very fair case of believing so. I mean, um, for, for a large part, um, it looked as if um, Marseille has effectively sold their soul to the devil just to win the PSG game in exchange for the rest of the season. Which um, arguably <laughs> some of them may have done. Yeah, which yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But for large parts, it really... I did look like that. I mean, one thing in particular um, that I found very, very surprising was that, you know, it wasn't that all surprising that, you know, Dimitri Pai and Florian Torvan had a poor game um, following the midweek clash against San Etienne. Uh, Dario Benedetto was back, also had a very poor game. The three of them, um, if, if you did read L'Equipe this morning, uh, had their stats splashed over one of their pages and it really made for appalling reading. It was no surprise that with about 20-25 minutes to go, all three were hauled off. Um, for 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 the unlikely trio of Maliaki, Vale Germain and Emmanuel Radonjic, who all um, had a hand in the um, eventual equaliser that OM did manage to get. Um, yeah, there was there was no creativity. Um, Morgan Sanson in particular was really called out for playing a very, very high up midfield, therefore leaving Bubaka Kamara um, really you know alone um 
in that sort of um, you know good good midfield play press that uh, Lille uh, managed to to uh, perform um, for large parts of the game, and it really should have been um, all over. I mean, Borac Yilmaz was offside, I think, in triple figures yesterday. Um, eternally offside, and it kind of messed up um, sort of the final pass that he did receive, either from Araujo and and, and Jonathan David. Um, you know, they they did manage to score, but uh, obviously you know, offside, mm. um, and and they essentially didn't take their chances. And of course, they faced Steve Mondando, who again, for I think for the fourth game in a row, had a fantastic uh, game, who I think has cemented. Um, his his place is either the definitely for sure the best goalkeeper, but I'd even go as far as saying he's the best player of the league so far. Um, best goalkeeper of the league? I I really believe so. Does everyone agree? No argument. Is Mo getting away with it here? Judging no. judging for the first four games, I I definitely okay. I absolutely believe so. No, I mean I did the highlights about... yesterday. He was the difference yesterday. He was the difference against PSG. Yeah, yeah. I, Fair enough. I honestly believe so, and and <laughs> you know he's. He's 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 been he's imperial at the age of thirty five. I mean, of course, there've been some fantastic performances so far, but he's been consistently at high level, bailing Marseille. I think for sure, without him, with the Oren Pelé in goal, um, you know, if you know, for for whatever reason, for example, if we lived in a world where his um his COVID infection still kept him out for 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 a period, Marseille could conceivably have had two points in total mm. um for the start of the season, and yet they they are. Um, you know, with really respectable seven points for now. Um, um, yeah, so you know, he will he again was fantastic to stop uh Lille um from, from advancing, but um, yeah, I think Lille, apart from you know, that clinical um sort of mindset, apart from better finishing and and also just some better luck, also in the final third, they really should have walked away with the with a victory last night. Um, so I think they'll be the ones that will be very disappointed rather than OM. Mm. I, I was a little dubious. If I may, as yeah, good go as Thunder uh, was, honestly, I mean, Lille only had themselves to blame. It is two points lost, but, but with, with the chances they had, Mondant honestly shouldn't have been able to save those those chances. I mean, he just them to save them because he's, he's that good. And that's why I... Agree that he's been he's been the best goalkeeper so far, but it's been just so frustrating seeing how poor Lille were in the in the last pass on the second from last pass and and, and poor at, at uh, actually scoring scoring a goal. Marseille didn't really deserve to equalise from what they did because they didn't do anything. And as, I think we need to uh, uh, to talk about the uh, the physical uh, aspect of that draw of that. Uh, uh, Below average performance because Marseille played a midweek game, yes, against Saint Etienne. They had to play another game last night against Lille, but in a month, so they're going to have to play six Champions League games and then they're going to have to play a league game. So, but do you think they were, you know, worrying what we, what we, what we, what we saw, and hopefully they can get get, get back 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 up to it. I, I don't know. If it's got to do with I don't know. I just don't know. It's I just, think. I- if, yeah. I, if I could get in, if I could get in there, I think it's mm-hmm. some, got something to do with um, the fact that they're unable to play as favourites. I mean, last year, um, you know, given given the squad that they have, given how everyone has sort of had little expectations for them, um, you know, 
it was it was easy to sort of just play your own way and grind out results. But this year, you know, much has been made that Marseille has kept you know all of its players so far. It's making yeah, yeah. some investment. I think I think it's clear that the financial situation is better than what was uh, thought of before um, during lockdown. You know, we were you know, it was crazy talk of OM being on the verge of bankruptcy, and I think Frank McCourt has has stood up and sort of eaten that um, just to en- enable his team to have the best sort of. Um, run at it. So they've kept everyone. They, you know, we're two weeks away from the end of the transfer window. The whole team is still there. There might be one departure, but it doesn't seem to be the exodus that everyone imagined. And yet they've made, um, you know, they're, they're making another signing tomorrow. Um, you know, they've kept um, the team and they've also made one or two uh, key signings as well. Um, and yet now they have to go and confirm what they've had this season. You know, much has been made of Andre Villas Boas, much has been made of of Dimitri Payet, um, and yet none of them have so far, the outfield players, have have confirmed that performance. Yes, they won in Paris, but it was easy, to, well, not not so much easy, but I think it's one thing to play um, with everyone behind the ball in a low defensive block, then the other to dominate the match. Up until yesterday, they've averaged 40% possession in their first three games. You know, grinding results is not going to be enough anymore. They need to start coming out and imposing themselves in, in, in offensive formation, in um, particularly at home, the home form is absolutely woeful. I think you know the enhanced coronavirus lockdown that is it's going to come. Um, it's going to hurt Marseille more than most, especially since you know the fans at the Velodrome is is essentially a big big factor. And I think um, you know that's what has affected OM so far away from home. They're almost without fault, but now they've got to start allowing or stop stop allowing the opposition to come and play their own football in their own patch. They need to control games from the off um, and dominate, but also test the opposition. We've not had, um, since the first half of Brest, uh, a half where OM has been completely on top. You know, and they've played some 18 and nil fixtures in, in last year where, you know, they've, they've, event, they've had periods where they've dominated. They haven't, haven't dominated since the first half of Brest. That's three and a half games ago. Um, and Torvan Benedetto and Paya need to get, you know, their their stuff together and and work work hard and and develop, you know, a, a new set of thinking because this is not going to fly in the Champions League. The Champions League is now less than a month away. Um, play like that um, without devoid of ideas and just muddling along and you know, you know, fl- flinging balls to the flank for Paya and just see what happens is not going to fly against Port 1 or Port 2 teams. And they're going to be in for a rude awakening. Still very early on in the season. The team is not 100% complete yet. Um, okay, but um, you've got Mets next weekend um, and then and then Lyon. Um, so, you know, it's now, now's the time to sort of um, figure out what's what. Mm. But that's the thing. I mean, why why have they been playing this way? I'd like to think it's, it's the only thing they know so far. I don't think what I've seen is... The way they're playing now is the way they've played for for large swathes under ADB. You know, it's not about the aesthetics; it's about grinding results. The only difference now is that it has the expectation that comes with it. Yeah. Um, and it won't fly because teams have sussed them out. Teams are now being more adventurous. You have, you know, for example, Lillens and Etienne, who I thought for large parts barely broke a sweat. Of course, they might have been lucky in Etienne in particular, uh, with a couple of really guilt edge chances that OM missed. But they they really looked fantastic value you know om definitely looked um devoid of ideas and i think it's a consequence of sort of the bland but functional football that they've um 
sort of come to learn or come to sort of perform under AVB just enough to to to, to secure victories. You know, they've scored victories a lot by one or two goals um, at most last year. Um, very rarely do they score three or more goals. Um, I think once if once or twice at most. Um, that's got to change. I'm not saying they obviously have to go and win every game three or four nil, but to at least dominate and have players that stand out who do their job and are able to really impose themselves in in, in the final third. That's yet to happen so far. Well, um, like you're talking about, uh, Andre Villas-Boas decided to uh, reveal after the match that Lyon, uh, that sorry, that Marseille, oh boy, uh, that Marseille were uh, a on the verge of signing a new striker, uh, obviously it's a it's a, a good distraction to announce that after a, a, yeah. a mild performance. Uh, today we find out that player would be uh, Luis Enrique from Botafogo, an 18-year-old, a 10 million euro deal. Uh, I don't think any of us have ever watched Botafogo play, um, but I was listening to the radio earlier today and, and they had Salomon Kalou on saying, who plays there, who's his teammate? Um, and Kalu said, I mean, basically he was saying he is very, very, very fast. Um, so I, I guess that's a hint. Um, so I, I don't know if we have anything to say, to comment on him as a player, but um, uh, I guess this leads us to our, our French phrase of the week. Um, I, I, I was struggling to come up with something and I decided to use this. Mo, does the, does the phrase grand attaquant mean anything <laughs> to you? Yes, it's... Um... <laughs> It's almost a mockery, um, given uh, for listeners. I think the context is, is um, it's in English. I think the the phrase of the grand striker in in terms of I think the expectation that a great striker is going to arrive. He's like a big name striker. Your big name number yeah. nine, who's going to lead you to everything that your heart desires for the upcoming season. So I think the phrase uh, uh, started in in 2017. The first big window of, of, of Frank McCaw, um, who wanted to obviously make a big splash um, as he did. So obviously he signed Dimitri Payet and co, Patrice Evra, Morgan Sanson in his first season, but that was the winter window. So the summer window was where Marseille were really going to um, to, to make a, bit, a big name because you needed maybe, you know, you know, a great project. You need a fantastic number nine, a good striker that gets the fans on board. For long periods, it looked like it was going to be um, Olivier Giroud, um, who who might have wanted to come back home in the of the World Cup. After months and months and months of trying, for God knows, um, you know how many strikers though have they eventually uh, settled for fifty percent of of Kostas Mitroglu, who <laughs> the same Mitroglu who is somewhere in the hotel room in Marseille, frozen out, um, and then came. Um, you know, Mario Balotelli, Valer Schumann, a fantastic list of great attacking names. Uh, Dario Bandetto, who, who it, it has been better than the others, but obviously the jury is still out. And yeah, we're no closer to to a great number nine. But, um, you know, so, as you say, it's going to be that. But um, <laughs> I think it's the best that Marseille is going to have to do uh, this, this yeah. Yeah, the phrase has has become a mockery, like you say, to a certain extent. I mean, it's just that everybody's heard this phrase being used so often in the past few years that it's just merged into one word: grand attaquant, grand attaquant. You hear the you hear it yeah. all the time about Marseille. Um, I think it's equivalent to a twenty goal a season striker, as if you know it grows on on trees. 
it's what it's what the media say. Uh, <laughs> say, guys, you know, please please get one. And uh, and how how do you get it? We don't really care. We just need someone who can who can provide the goals. It's not. I mean, yeah. Well, can I just say here too? I, I really think what what Marseille are are missing is an archetypal target man. I, let's go back to the last consistently strong striker they had, which. You know, Mo disagree with me. Bafe Gomis in 16, 17, 20 goals. 100%. I completely agree with you. Mm. You know, think... to have that physical bulwark against off which Paye and and um, until that can work, that's what the team need, and that's not what they bought. And oh, this, I, I completely agree. I think that's where that's where you can pinpoint where things started to go wrong. It's because of this idea that you needed a big name that eventually skewed Gomis who was fantastic, who scored 20 goals a season, who ended up being captain for in, in just under a few months, um, was loved despite his Leon past, who was a hard worker. He was cheap. He was free because it was um, rather, you know, rather he was free, he was on loan. Um, not going, you know, whether he was going to go back to Swansea or not was up for debate. It wouldn't have cost nearly as much as the roughly 30 million plus huge salaries that they've spent on um Mitroglu uh, Benedetto and um and um Balotelli as well. So it's a shame because he would have been fantastic domestic hero, long understanding of Liga um and a hard worker. And there was no reason for me why he couldn't have stayed for a season or two more and saved alone from all these um other troubles. But you know, that's the future that we've obviously <laughs> Um, you know, shelved and is happening somewhere in a par- parallel universe uh, where OM oh, probably have won the title <laughs> by now. Um, um, we, we have no idea. <laughs> um, but, but, I can't believe the flag that guy had over the years by both Lyon and Marseille fans, uh, given uh, how much he delivered for both clubs. Uh, the, the, yeah, uh, we think for him is uh, La Caravane de Buffy Gomis, which basically uh, implies that he's got a very large bottom. He just doesn't get. <laughs> Praise and near enough praise. Uh, well, he, he in- does. He does at Marseille. I'll tell you that now. He, you know, I think sometimes actually there's he left Leon a bit acrimoniously. I think we can agree. Yeah. But um, um, you know, at Marseille and you know, in 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 the dealings that you know, he's spoken of Marseille very very favorably, considering that he had a long career at both Saint-Étienne and and Leon. But he's spoken very very favorably of Marseille in the last couple of months. Has a fantastic friendship with Florian Tolman in particular. Um. And yeah, you know, it was a one-season wonder. But, you know, when Marseille were at a bit of a low ebb, obviously coming off the back of the Michel season, but not quite um, where the McCall project got underway, he was a fantastic stopgap. He scored 20 league goals and mm. hauled OM single-handedly, that disjointed OM with, with that shirt with a cross over the, the white shirt. Um, all I can think of in that shirt is Evra, Vanker and Bafé Gomis. Um, <laughs> And they were they were sublime. Well, that there's your little nostalgia moment. Um, uh, where where was gonna what was I gonna say? Leon, um, I think. <laughs> well, Leon in a minute. Yeah, I was I was I gonna have, say actually some something to ask about Lille. Sure. Uh, the the formation for the four four two formation. They uh, Galtier played for the exact same starting eleven. Home to Mets. Uh, by the way, Mets is not the, the type of side you you want to have these days because they play with ten men behind the ball. Uh, extremely hard to score against. Um, but anyway, uh, Lee played the uh, against 
the same start 11 against Mersam against uh, Marseille yesterday. Not quite sure. I think it's the right way to go. It's 4 4 2. Jonathan David still pretty, uh, uh, still pretty much a rookie in, uh, in Ligue 1. Boykin Maz, I thought, was very good. I mean, an uh, experienced guy. You can, you can feel he has the shoulders to, you know, to uh, the physicality to, uh, to, work it, to work it with Alvaro and, uh, and Camara and, uh, and all the others. I just don't. I just don't see Lille uh, being that efficient with that formation. Don't know what well, well, Philip, what you're, what you're missing out in this formation is that who only played ten minutes in those two matches, Renato Sanchez, who I, I think you can fairly argue is on form Lille's most important player. I know David is the big big money signing. I know he's expected to contribute goals as is Zilmas, but the dynamism that he adds to midfield once he hit his stride last season. We were watching a force of nature, and I think it's really difficult to judge this Lille side without Sanchez being in that midfield, or even a more creative options in the form of Sejeka playing alongside Andre. Sumari and Andre are both capable midfielders, but they're not even box to box; they're defensive midfielders. And I think that, given that, you know, Lille are necessarily enforced being forced to play those through through the absences of Sheka and, and Sanchez going to necessarily be a little bit more limited going forward. So, personally, I think I would rather hold off judgment on that um, in, until we get, you know, to get this team playing with its first choice 11 together, which they really haven't had through, uh, you know, a mix of injury and later rivals and, and what have you. And whether that ends up being Araujo starting, which I don't necessarily agree with, I think that um, he over Ikone is, is also a somewhat baffling decision. So we can take Galtier the task perhaps a bit on that. But I think the, at, the, at, the, at the end of the day, um, that central pairing, whether it's a four-two-three-one or a four-four-two, it has to be Andre and Sanchez. And you know, whether or not that is how Galtier wants to, to wants to move forward is another story. But um, I think the jury still needs to be out, uh, despite what I think Lil will rightly recognize as a disappointing loss yesterday. So you reckon Sanchez would actually replace one of Sumawa and Andre and not play second striker then, and and keep the four-four-two? Keep keep the four four two. Yes, Sumari take Sumari out. Sumari is yeah. a decent player, but we know on we know Andre's drive. I mean, he's been an exceptional player since he came into the league with Gazalek those yeah. years ago. Um, yeah, and then you've got some combination of Raujo Bamba and Ikone wide, and and David and Yilmaz up front. Yilmaz again, I, I think you know uh, he's a player who's I correct me if I'm wrong has never played outside of Turkey. So I think that. Perhaps there is something to be said for maybe even moving to Kone next to next to David. That does rob the front line of some physicality. But I think that if you've got pace to that level, um, that's something that you could look at maybe playing a four-one-one with the Kone slightly behind David. Um, but yeah, I, I think absolutely Sanchez has to continue playing a, a, a central role. Hmm. I, I would just add on Jonathan David. I mean, I, I'm not familiar with him as a player, so I, I don't know how good he is or not, but. I, 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 I mean, we've all seen that he's getting a lot of criticism for his first four matches. And we should just keep in mind that, you know, sometimes goal scorers especially don't hit the ground running and it, it takes a little bit, you know, for whatever reason, some of them need time to adapt or, or, or get used to a new environment or something. Um, and, you know, it's the kind of criticism we saw against Nicolas Pepe in the Premier League last season, even though we were all defending him um, at the time saying, no, 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 we know this guy's good. Um, so I would say on 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 David, let's let's wait a little longer and 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 see 
how that turns out. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Pierre Paul. I think, you know, having done a decent amount of research on him prior to mm-hmm. part two and immediately managed his move, he often played uh, behind a strike, behind a two in a 4-3-1-2 mm-hmm. uh, in Belgium. So he was he was either a 10 or a second striker at best. He was never really um, an out-and-out center forward as he's being asked to do now. I know he is playing alongside Yilmaz, but I think that we look at his numbers and we think, oh, striker. But the, I think that the truth of the matter of, of what his best position is, I think is a little bit more nuanced than, mm. than just being someone who's, who's there to score, simply to score goals. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually what you're saying there... We can say with some confidence though, that there is a good player there. Probably not used right, but you know, it, it, does, it does show some, some kind of promise. Even yeah. a bit, he's, he's still a bit um, young. Yeah. And, and what you're saying there, uh, Devin, uh, um, <laughs> Eric, sorry, um, uh, reminded me of what I was going to say, what I meant to say earlier in that about um, Luis Enrique, the guy who's signing for Marseille, because we were talking about Marseille's need for a, 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 a target man. And I mean, what I was hearing on the radio on, on RMC earlier today, um, they had done some research or something and, and they were saying that he apparently is not, he doesn't play as a lone striker. He can't do that. He needs to, you know, play around someone else. So it sounds like he's not going to solve that particular problem either, which isn't to say that he's uh, not a good player. I mean, we'll find that out in a bit. Okay, uh, we've spent very long on Marseille-Lille. Uh, Philippe, do you want to say a word on uh, Mbappe being back from uh, from COVID and uh, scoring again for PSG? Yes, it's a good thing he was there yesterday because honestly there wasn't uh, much going on. Um, we started in a 4-4-2, so Mbappe played uh, with Icardi at front. Icardi, not too bad. Uh, we've seen much, much worse. Uh, he uh, he linked up quite well with uh, with Mbappe. It didn't produce, you know, it didn't produce any highlights or anything. But uh, the, uh, the the play was uh, between the two of them was interesting, or especially Icardi with uh, with Mbappe because Mbappe on his own he he. he he honestly tore apart Youssef Attal, who's a who's a very bright, who's a very good right back. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a bad day for him yesterday. Uh, so we we switched to four three three with uh, Idrissa Gay going off for Herrera, I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was Herrera. And uh, after four three three, things got uh, better. Soft penalty to, to start with. It was indeed Herrera after, after 23 minutes, I'm sorry. Uh, quite a soft penalty. I would have been uh, pretty, uh, yeah, uh, not uh, not livid, but a bit disappointed had this been given against my team. And then you had uh, an Mbappe shot. Um, the Mbappe shot uh, pushed away. Di Marie on the rebound, and then Marquinhos on the, on the set piece. It was very routine uh, from uh, from just after just after half-time. But uh, you you still feel that uh, had Mbappe not been there, it would have been a struggle like like it would have been against Messi. Vieira quite cautious in his tactics, not uh, not allowing uh, stuff like uh, sorry uh, players to really um, express themselves like uh, like Guiri or Juni Lopez uh, or Camara on the left hand side. As some Camara so they had uh, they they could have done something on the on the wings. Uh, our final note, I'd say, I thought uh, I think uh, Mich- Michel Becker uh, has had a solid game. The club openly said that they are not pursuing a left back despite uh, Juan Bernat's long-term injury, so he's out for six months, I think it is. 
But so, you know, we, we've got Baker back here, we've got Kozawa. It's not great, but uh, basically the club is looking elsewhere to strengthen. So I mm -hmm. just, just wanted to say that Baker was not too bad. Mm -hmm. um, in other Mbappe news, uh, because he's now only two years from the term of his contract at PSG, the transfer hysteria is, is kicking off. And uh, there are more and more stories about Liverpool and Real Madrid coming in. So that's uh, going to be... Uh, Uh, I guess polluting the airwaves and the uh, and the newspaper columns in the next year or more. Um, uh, okay, now I'm going to open up the floor, and uh, each of you guys can can uh, share uh, something about a match that we didn't talk about, and opinion you have, whatever you want it to be um, from this weekend. Uh, Mo, can I start with you? That's a, that's a good question, um, Leon. <laughs> um, I know we've we may have touched upon them, but um, just barely. They they are, I feel, heading in a bit of a negative direction. You know, one win in in five. Um, that's obviously including the Champions League um, defeat to to Bayern Munich. Now, other than a very respectable four um, one win over Dijon, they've looked morose at best. Um, you know, two incipient nil nil draws, um, and then that defeat to Montpellier. Um, which um where they've obviously had no answer to Tejas Savania's greatness. Um mm -hmm. but they've they've looked poor. They looked pretty much like Rudy Garcia at his at OM um the year before last, the 2018-19 season. Um and if you look over the next five games they're obviously facing Monaco and Lille and Marseille um as well as Lorient and Strasbourg in the first of those sort of uh, run of fixtures obviously they have no uh, European football to contend with this season but they are teetering um, I suppose with the potential of losing uh, Memphis Depay who, who could very well be in Barcelona by the end of this uh, transfer window or, or one of the Milan clubs um, if rumours hold true um, obviously Hussam Awa is being tracked um, I don't know if that's as obvious as seem, as people seem to think. I mean, not much has happened on that front yet. Not but... much has happened. I don't think not much will happen. I think it's a game of cats and mouse. Yeah. You know, I think, for me personally, it's um, can they sell Depay? Obviously, with one year to go, it's much easier getting rid of Depay, um, getting good money for him, and and then keep an hour. And, you, know, it's, you know, it doesn't really take a lot to convince a homeboy to stay for an additional year. Um, mm. And give him the give him the chance to cement himself, get into the Euro squad, and then have an agreement to leave the following year for a respectable price. When they obviously should get back into the Champions League, and and then you know financially they're not in the in in a bad position. If there are no offers for for Depay or Depay doesn't doesn't leave um, for one way or another, for example, Barcelona cannot cannot make moves until they get rid of. Um, Luis Suarez. So I think it's a chain reaction, I think. And if we come to at the end of the month and um Depay hasn't gone, you know, would Musa and Dembele you know get any offers? Um and they'll look at that. It's not as like you said, it's not as clear cut. But then you know, like I said, mm. they don't really they're a bit between a rock and a hard place. They don't look good on the field with all three of them um there at the moment. Um, you know, they are There are some convincing performances. Melvin Bard, in particular, has looked good, um, and is is you know something of interest to follow uh, for Leon um, as ever. You know, Maxence Kakare and and Ryan Shaki, um will also be of interest. But again, 
you know, these are very young players who we shouldn't expect too much too quickly. Um, and yeah, Rudy Garcia is finding it very, very difficult to break yeah. the opposition apart and, and really foster that fantastic team spirit that Leon had in Lisbon um, just a couple of weeks ago, beating the creme de la creme of European football. But now, you know, they're being stuck against the likes of Nîmes and Bordeaux. Um, it's the usual paradox, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Um, I mean, it doesn't look to be getting better anytime soon. So for me, my point this week is, is just to highlight their woes um, and try not to take a little bit of glee from it as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric, I hope, yeah, I hope Mo didn't steal your thunder on, on Leon. No, no, no. I, I think that's very well reasoned. <laughs> I, just as, just to, as a coder to that too, I think that there's definitely a problematic relationship uh, between Dembele and Depay. You know, those two are clearly the really talented attacking players, but they don't... Relationship on the pitch, you mean, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, yeah. Um, so, well, player I wanted to, to, to mention, uh, or just a, a theme, is uh, Zinedine Verhat, uh, who we saw in action against um, Leon on, on Friday evening at the, at the, at the Group Ama Stadium, or what, whatever you want to call it, Park OL. Um, yeah, he's a player who I think, you know, kind of has flown under the radar. Um, you know, we saw that when Neem had first come up, they were so brilliant to watch with um, Sadathiob and, and uh, Anthony and Bobby Sean, they, uh, Renard Repard, they were just such a, you know, you know, pedal to the floor uh, attacking presence and playing several brilliant matches in 2018-19 season. They were a little less enjoyable last season, but I think that the way they started this this campaign... Uh, a lot of that, that uh, a lot of their drive and and um, and uh, brilliance going forward has has been down to Ferha. Uh, you know, he plays on the right wing, four two three one for Neem. Uh, you know, has a very good touch, uh, great ability on the ball, uh, good good vision. He set the league de record for assists a couple of seasons ago. Yep. Um, really, really a talented player, and I think you know for our neutrals out there, I I know Neem probably are not to the same level they were two seasons ago when they were absolutely uh, a must-watch side. But I think that, that Fairhot is a really talented player. And again, he's he's one of these, you know, like a like another former name player, Tacey Savanier. He's a player who's taken a little bit of a, a longer time to make his name in the top flight. But I think that he is, you know, an incredibly, incredibly talented player. And someone who, who I could see either, you know, making a move to a bigger club and maybe even making a difference for for Algeria as well um, in in the in the weeks and months to come. I think it's an international call up. Fair enough, Phil. Anything you want to share with us? Uh, to make it a hat trick of uh, TG Seven you mentioned this week, I'm going to talk about Montpellier. So Montpellier's four one win against uh, against Angers with uh, TG Savanier playing in a 3-4-1-2, with TG Savanier playing behind uh, Delors and uh, Laborde. Delors and Laborde looking like uh, the best uh, uh, strike partnership uh, of, uh, of the league, uh, looking, uh, having uh, great cohesion between, uh, between both of them. And TG Savanier pulling, you know, pulling the strings. Uh, the only thing I would complain about is that he spends a lot of time uh, on the ground, but uh, other than that, he really is a um, great, great player to watch. Montpellier are also a great team to watch. Would have to say something about the refereeing against Lyon, but uh, you know, it's still Montpellier deserved uh, their win against uh, against Angers. They deserved their win against Nice. Absolutely destroyed Nice. That was a, a I mean, uh, a joy to watch. And um, and Angers as well. Also loving the uh, sort of renaissance of um, Arnaud Souquet 
on the, on the right wing. His mm. teachers, um, he's a great player to have on, on the left wing back. Just, you know, so many good players that uh, Florent Mollet is not playing. And I, I, I reckon Florent Mollet is uh, worthy of, um, of uh, starting. Yep, I can get behind uh, Montpellier talk anytime you like. Um, for my turn, I'll very briefly mention, because we're going a little bit long, uh, uh, Stade de Reims. Obviously, they've had a pretty atrocious start to the season in Ligue 1. They're, uh, what are they, bottom last with just one point. Uh, but they have another Europa, Europa League match on Thursday. Last week, they beat Servet Genève 1-0. Uh, this week, they're playing MOL Fehervar from Hungary, uh, which uh, you may you may have known them as Videoton, who knocked out Bordeaux from Europa League qualifiers in 2017. Um, they've changed names for some reason. So... Uh, that's a, definitely an exciting match uh, for, for Reims. And the winners play either Standard de Liège or FK Vojvodina from Serbia. Um, we might, we'll be quick on this too because we're running a little long. But we, we were going to talk about Ignatius Ganago, uh, the uh, forward at Lens, who joined Lens this summer from Nice. And he's now on three goals and one assist in the first four matches of the season. I know... Eric, you were excited to talk about Ganago. Yeah, very briefly. He's a player who I mentioned with Lewis on the on the uh, the previous show, going back to Alonso beating PSG. I think this is a, a really, really impressive player, and I think Lance have, have really got some fantastic business uh, buying him from I think somewhere in the neighborhood of, of five or six million from from Nice this season. He's a player who's used to be quite frank out of position by Patrick Vieira at Nice, often played on the left. Uh, in a 4-3-3, but really we can see that he is um, best at working in a 2. Uh, Lance looks set, looks set to be playing a 3-4-1-2 with Kakuda behind uh, Satoka and, and Ganago, and I think that that really gets the best out of him. He's an incredibly hard worker. He's not the biggest um, in terms of his height, but he is very powerfully built and has a real doggedness to his play that I think will allow him to continue to press and harry and, and make life difficult for opposing defenses, and I think that you know, in the modern game, pressing football is so important, and that Frank Ayi says this this team playing uh, so well without even including um, Seiko Fofana, their 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 record signing. Uh, he came on uh, at the weekend, but is yet to is yet to start a match. So I think that it's really you know I don't want to say the sky's the limit, but I think you know I, I noticed in Lance's first match, which was a loss to Nice, that wow, this team looks incredible. Uh, and, and Ganago is a big part of that. And I think that, you know, moving forward, this is a player who, you know, if he gets, say, 15 goals this season, um, we could see Lance, you know, maybe be in a dark horse for European competition. I know that may sound a little bit a little bit foolhardy, given there's a lack of experience in Ligue 1 from a lot of this side. But I think that in Kakuda and, and Ganago, you've got two players, and Fafana as well, um, you've got three players right then who, who really can break a game open. And I think that's not something that a lot of teams outside that established echelon of top, top sides have. And I think that that combined with how hard this team clearly works under Frank Ice uh, can make lawns really dangerous and that Gonago could really be um, the next sort of breakout star in Liga. I don't know that there's necessarily a ready comparison to the way he plays, um, but uh, I, I think he's really an incredible player to watch, and, and Lens should be a, a team that we continue to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, in, t- in going, sorry, we continue to keep an eye on moving forward into the next um, 
into the next few weeks. And speaking of must must watch teams, they're actually away to Nîmes as part of the multiplex this um, this Sunday. So you can catch both he and the Nîmes Farhat in action. Yeah, that could be a fun game. Um, interesting to see as well that the goal that Ganago scored uh, this weekend against Bordeaux was quite similar to the one he scored against PSG with with him, you know, getting the ball after a mistake from well, a forced mistake really from from um, the the opposite team's defense um, with a kind of press inside their own box. Um, so good to see that kind of uh, pugnacity, I guess, and, and pressing from him. Um, there's some things that we we didn't mention about him. He's a he, he's from Cameroon. He was born in in Douala, Cameroon, um, and came to France to Nice in 2017. And actually, I, you know, I, it felt like he's been around for longer because he actually played 62 matches in Ligue 1 for for uh, Nice or yeah, 65 matches in all competitions for Nice. Um, and he's only 21, and now he's with Lens. So he's uh, you know, for a young player back then, he was he was getting quite a lot of game time, um, and it'll be interesting. Five. Um, that's why, yeah. All huh. competitions, sixty-five for Nice or sixty-two. Is this counting? Okay. Uh, yeah, sixty-two. I had a weird chart here. Um, before we go, I asked for uh, questions on Twitter for our listeners. We got a lot of. Uh, uh, <laughs> our, our news, our news, our news, our yeah. news. Yeah, they weren't really questions, but we did get one serious one about uh, uh, from FI Genesis asking us, "What can we make of the William Cyprian situation? Is he going to Bordeaux? Why does no one else want him?" I don't know. Does someone? <laughs> I'd, I'd take him at Leon. Yeah, I don't know why he would go to Bordeaux. Is that? I'd rather be at Nice than Bordeaux right now, but Bordeaux's um... financial situation, especially, is is incredibly difficult. They've been mm. there's they've been Thomas Basic, who's been fantastic really to start the season, has been linked with the move away. But um, I know I know um, Francois Camino was so early in the window, but Bordeaux are definitely given the financial situation in really dire straits. And unless they were to sell Basic for say twenty million, I don't know that they could take on Cyprian both in terms of a both in terms of a transfer fee and, and potential wages. Uh, and again, that, that does seem like a lateral move at best, I, but I think that he could really add a lot to a side like Leon, if, mm-hmm. especially if he were, if, if Awar were to go, if he were a nominal um, replacement there, if they reverted to a, a 3-5-2 and he were the most attack-minded of a midfield three of Guimaraes, Kakare, and he, I, I think that that could be frankly really exciting he's a player who has scored a lot of goals in his time at nice uh, but has struggled really quite a bit with injury and i think that given a a run of fitness and and time in a team to a system that can make the best of his strengths um he really does have a lot to offer for a player who i who is still only i believe 25 i look forward to seeing you typing cyprian news cyprian news under every uh, gf fan post if, now that i see that you want to have him at, at lyon um because apparently that's a common way of expression. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thanks, Phil. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Mo, all for coming on today. Um, as usual, dear listeners, if you want you know, the latest French football news, it's GFFN on Twitter or getfootballnewsfrance.com. Uh, lots of interesting stuff on there at the moment, uh, like always. So uh, do check it out. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>